You know, there's an unusual presence of God today. And I know he wants to move every day. And every moment we gather. I feel like the Lord's speaking to individuals today. And all you need, sometimes we can, sometimes we can overcomplicate things. All you need is the presence of God. I know we've got to be sharper. I know our intellect is involved in some way. But have you just allowed the presence of God just to permeate your life and who you are and just find rest and peace? And uh, we have a talented team, but behind it is the presence of God. And... uh, and one of the things that the Lord's calling our church to is to be a house of His presence. We will always choose the presence of God over the nice things. And we will have it. We'll have the fancy stuff one day. There's no doubt about it. But the presence of God is why we gather. Otherwise, you could just stay at home. And so thank you so much for joining us today. I feel like the expectation of the room is at an all-time high. I'm telling you. So this week I spent some time praying over the the, uh, chairs. And uh, I don't know if you guys know, uh, but we had some oil somewhere here. So about 15 years ago, my pastor, when he was training me, he would just, we would all grab oil and we would go through the sanctuary auditorium and uh, the kids are having a good time, can you tell? And we would pray over every seat. And, and the house of God became a place where there was just miracles happening. Things were happening during the week, even before Sunday morning. You know, every seat here for me, it, it represents a name. I know we don't have our seats. Some of you guys want to believe that you have a seat here and your name is on the back of it. And if we allowed you to, you probably would say, I will write my name on that chair. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, there's 41,000, just under 41,000 people in this zip code. 41,000 people. We could have a hundred services and still not have enough room. And so when I'm looking at these seeds, I'm seeing what God can do. It's not about the number. It's about the story. It's about the name. And that's great. Did you know that God is doing a work in you as well? not just the people that are coming. I think as Christians, sometimes we forget. We're so missional, we're so about giving, that we forget to receive. Tell me what to do so I can go do. Well, sometimes you just need to receive. And so I want to encourage you in these moments to not forget to receive from the Lord. 
Yes, we have a mission to evangelize and to make disciples, but don't forget to receive. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, today we're continuing our sermon series called All In. Last week, uh, we talked about the Great Commission, particularly the aspect of baptism. We talked about the fact that we know that we are to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them the ways of being a follower of Jesus. Last week, we just got out of the way. We didn't preach hard. We, we did this sermon series to teach on what the, what the Bible is saying about these foundational principles. We got 13 people getting baptized this Wednesday night. Isn't that amazing? Now, I don't know about you, but my faith is saying we might baptize more people. We'll worry about the class later. We'll be like the early church. They didn't have no class. You got saved and baptized. We'll worry about the teaching after. I said that to say, sometimes we just have to reveal what the Word of God is teaching us. We don't have to try hard. Now, if you were here in the month of July, you probably heard us talk about steps and the promised land and going for things, and, and we were preaching it. This sermon series is a little different. It kind of reminds me of the foundation of a home. Maybe you guys live in a home that's really old. Uh, I've lived in some old homes before, and there is cracks in certain old homes. And this cracks because the foundation has shifted. So when they first poured the foundation, it was a certain level. And then it shifted. And as it shifted, the walls started cracking a bit. And so it would be almost like as if we continually repair the walls of our lives and forget the foundation. And I love a good worship set. I love, I mean, honestly, I, I felt like we were just going to go for it this morning, just have them up here and just have a praise worship night in the morning. <laughs> I, I do, I love it. But when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, I think sometimes we are all about being too passionate and little worried about the foundation of our walk with God. So we have to learn to address the foundations of our belief and our following Jesus. This is what's going to change our lives. This is what's going to change the world. So today, and, and really this whole series, that's what we're doing. We're kind of, I don't know if you've seen how they fix the foundation, but they kind of dig real close to the the house, and, and you go deep, and they start putting these concrete blocks, new concrete, and they adjust the home, and then you can fix all the cracks in the home and paint it, and it looks brand new. In a lot of ways, that's what I see happening in our lives and in our church. That's what I sense what the Lord is doing here. We've had an amazing past. You know, New Song is turning 25 in December. 
some churches don't last more than five, six years. Maybe you've driven around town. You've seen the churches that are shut down. Some of you guys are thinking, this church should have shut down a long time ago. (laughs) But God still has a plan. And you are part of that plan. You're part of this vision that God has. So today I want to talk about biblical community. What do I mean by biblical community? Here's the first thing I want us to recognize today. In churches today, we are known and we are notorious to being a place that it is not safe to be ourselves. We had a four-minute countdown, and I know some of you guys are thinking, we had a minute left, Pastor. We had one more minute to greet each other. But we are notorious for greeting people on Sunday mornings and not being in community with each other. Why? Because I'm just being real. Because the church has become a place of gossip and turmoil and mistrust. And when we look at the biblical definition of community, you see the church thriving not just on Sunday mornings. But throughout Scripture, it is every day. You know, the early church, they met every day. They encouraged each other every day. Now, don't worry. We're not going to have services every day. I understand you have a life, and you have a wife, and all that stuff, okay? But we have technology today, and we don't use it. We go on Facebook to stalk people, and we don't even like their posts. We could easily send a text or show up to someone's home with a card, with a $20 bill, and say, you know, I've been thinking about you, and I just wanted to say, I'm praying for you. And people actually think there's something wrong if you did that. That's how uncommon that is. In church, most of us would be like, okay, what does this person want from me? What are they trying to get from me? What are they trying to... Why are they being nice? See, relationships have to be a core value of who we are. You know what a core value is? It's not just something that we believe and we say that we believe. It's got to be part of who we are. People have asked me, Pastor, how are you meeting people as much as you're doing over the past few weeks. And my response is, it is not my duty as a pastor to get to know you. It is a duty as a follower of Jesus to get to know you. Why? Because I want to be part of your life. I want to be part of your journey. I want to know your kids' names. All 90 of them. I'll try to remember, but probably not. I want to know what you do for a living. I want to know the real you, not so I can do a better job shepherding, but because I can be a better follower of Jesus and listen to his voice. 
So we probably have about 100 or so people here, 140, 130 people. How many times have we reached across the aisles outside of our family and just told our fellow church members, I want to get to know who you are? And I love Sunday mornings. I love the four or five minutes that we get. We're high-fiving people. It's a good buzz. I took a couple of pictures today just for the memory, you know, of things. But do we really do that on Tuesday? Do we really care about that person, or are we kind of playing church? Are we a follower of Jesus, really in love with him, and that's just oozing out of you? Or are you just kind of like, that's what we do in church. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, not only did the apostles love to preach, but our lives as well. Because you had become so dear to us. It takes time to have someone feel like they're dear to us. You know, most people that I've pastored in my life has rarely remembered a sermon I've done. If, if they have, I'm flattered. Praise God. God is good. But you know, they have remembered when I showed up to the hospital. They remembered when I called them. They remember when I text them. They remember when I break bread with them. They remember when I kind of give them a side hug and say, you're going to make it. But that's not just for pastors only. This is for our church. This is who we are. We are not going to be a church of rows anymore. We're going to be a church of circles where we're going to open up our hearts and we're going to talk to each other. And I'm not saying TMI, too much information, because <laughs> I know some of us were like, oh, I can't wait. No. For those of you that's like the TMI people, too much information people, you may need to back up just a bit. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Everybody else knows who you are because you're on social media. We don't need to ask you what you're thinking. Everybody knows. I'm not talking about that. For the rest of us, the most of us, the ones that are reserved, God wants to use you in your relationship with God. Our relational circle has an effect on the direction and the speed of our lives. It's a quote that I've kind of lived by. You may be like, I, I knew that already. But isn't it true that the speed and the direction of your life is affected by the company you keep? So why don't we trust our fellow brothers and sisters? Why do we have cliques in church? Why do we prefer the people that like McDonald's and not Burger King? But we never say that. In reality, in church, we kind of have these cliques, and everybody knows it. And I'm just being transparent. Amen. When we look at the Bible, we see the Trinity. Think about this. 
One God, three persons. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit. He didn't leave us. Why were they in communal? Why were they in community? It was that important. Even without us in the picture, there is a community between God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. When we look in the beginning, it was written that it is not good for a man to be before sin entered the picture. In a perfect world, God said it is not good for us to be Most of us, if we look back in our lives, how many mistakes have we made when we feel lonely? How many times have we lashed out when we felt like we were the only ones? See, the devil has used loneliness and isolation for a long time. You know, it's funny, when they were in the garden in the beginning... He said, did God really say that? What was broken? Was it really an apple for those of you that are under the age of 35? Was it, I mean, it was it really an apple. They, they bit into the apple, like the TV says. Was it really that? That was the issue. They bit into a fruit. What was the fruit? The fruit broke community with God. This is how important Biblical community is. Jesus' final words, John 17, 21 and 22, right before the cross, his prayer was that his disciples know the unity that exists between the Trinity, that they would exemplify and experience that same unity. It's amazing. The thing that divides us could so easily heal and bring unity if we just listen to what the Holy Spirit wants us to be. The testimony of the early church. Everybody, you guys have heard of the tongues of fire. I'm Pentecostal through and through. I love it. I love when weird things happen. It's out of my control. I do. It's the charismatic side of me. I'm like, I I don't know how to explain this. Must be God. (laughs) This is a good thing for someone as logical and rational for me. Like option six, option six and a half, option seven and a half, it is God. (laughs) That's the option. But we all remember tongues of fire coming down, the Holy Spirit visiting Believers speaking in tongues and other languages. We call it the initial physical evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But you know, everyone forgets the other evidence at the end of the same chapter. It's called breaking bread, having fellowship in community, and listening and learning from the teachings of Jesus. It's the second initial physical evidence. (laughs) 
So we love the experience of gospel living. We love the times in worship, the things they're going. I was right there with you guys, jumping like a rabbit. I was excited. But I should be as excited to get to know people in this room. I should be as excited to get to know each other and to break bread with each other and to be in community with each other. Because as a, as a follower of Jesus, that represents Jesus. See, community is essential for seeing God's purposes on earth fulfilled. Have you ever, have you ever wondered why uh, we weren't beamed up as soon as we got saved? So when you make your heart to, uh, a heart decision to follow Jesus, why weren't you just beamed up? Why didn't you just disappear into the clouds? Go to heaven right away. Are you abandoned? Now, God has a purpose for each person here, and it's bigger than church. It's bigger than what you can do for this church. It's bigger than just sitting here and listening to me. It is a purpose that only you can fulfill. It is a dream that is for you. No matter how young you are here, no matter how old you are here, there is a purpose for you. See, the Great Commission, we talked about it. Make disciples. Go into all the world. Make disciples. Do you know the great commandment was? The greatest commandment, what was it? Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. He summarized, Jesus summarized the Ten Commandments into two statements. The first half of the Ten Commandments It was about our connection with God. The second half of the Ten Commandments, it was about our horizontal relationship with people. We tend to this a lot, a lot. I wonder if this connection, this horizontal connection, is interfering the vertical connection for some of us today. I wonder if unforgiveness in our lives is affecting our relationship with God today. So could it be that Christianity is simple? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, so and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So now we love the people that we love. It's easy to treat the people that we love easy. You know, it's, it's no problem. Yeah, I'm loving. I'm a Christian. Well, what are the, about the people that are the exact opposite personality of you? the person that you dread the most in this world. I want you to picture that person right now. And we have become professional Christians to say, I don't really get along with that person. This is not my personality type. You know, God didn't call us to love everybody. I mean, I can like them in the name of Jesus. I don't have to love them. We have all of these excuses, right? Me too. Me, me too. I'm right there with you. And when the rubber meets the road, God did not call us to have selective behavior in who we love. See, the early church grew because they didn't care about selecting. It was everybody. We're going to be a multi-ethnic church until Jesus comes back. You know what that means? That we're not going to do church for just one race here. 
There we go. The section right here. Remind me to write a check to you guys after, huh? What does it mean to have a church that is full of different kinds of people, different kinds of cultures, different kinds of ways of doing life? Does it mean that we all just toss it out when we come to church and we just pretend to be someone we're not? No, it does not. Doesn't mean that all of us are going to get the style of music that we want. The, the Asians want the Asian style, and the Caucasians want the Caucasian style, and the, the Africans want the African style, the African Americans want the gospel. And, I mean, we're going to have like a two hour worship service. We just do like 30 minute increments of each genre. You guys want to be here for four hours? We'll do it. A little buffet line for everybody. No, it means that we go to Scripture because this was the model of the early church. For those of us that don't believe this can be done, I don't care what society says. It's been done before and can happen again. And all we need to do is operate in biblical community. We got to care for others more than ourselves. So what are the five characteristics of a biblical community? Number one, Jesus is at the center. See, when Jesus is at the center, we don't have to worry about preferences. We don't have to worry about culture because we are one culture at New Song Church and in our lives. It's called the Jesus culture. We don't have to worry about pulling out our identification cards or our passports and flashing the fact that you came from wherever. We came from one cross, and the price was paid for us. 1 Corinthians, the first letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 1, verse 10, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, uh-oh, we got someone telling on the church. You got someone going up to, to Paul and saying something's going down. I want you to picture with me. Paul's at home. It's about 8.15 at night, winding down, dinner's done, your dishes are done. You're kind of getting to the hour, which most of you that are working full-time job, you know the hour I'm talking about. Everybody leave me alone hour. Said, said yes to the kids, and you're doing all this stuff, and you take a breath, and all of a sudden, Paul's like, who is that? He comes in, he opens the door, it's Chloe and the family. They come barging in, Paul, how's it going? Paul's like, wow, how, how are you doing? I know I planted the church in Corinth, and how are things going? And Chloe comes in and says, you know, we got a lot of issues. We've got a lot of stuff happening in our church. 
We have a lot of disunity in our church. We have people saying that they follow this person and that person, and some people got it right, and they're saying that they follow Jesus, and there's some sexual things happening in our church. Maybe we don't have enough time for it tonight. Maybe we got to be careful how we talk about this. We got some giving problems. Things are happening. This is a great church, but it's not going well. Other than that, things are going well. <laughs> Why'd you ask? In verse, in verse 11, verse 12, Paul says, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ, like you're supposed to. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? In America, we love celebrities. We love personalities. We love it when things are going bad, and we love it in a kind of evil way when things are going wrong. When you go to the grocery aisle, what do you see? What are the magazines saying right next to the candy? Are they saying great things about people? We love it. We love spicy stories. It's our human nature here to follow people and not Jesus. This church has been, it's almost 25 years old. There's been a lot of leaders in this church. I wonder if we can truly say Truly say, as a foundational principle of biblical community, that Jesus is at the center of this church? Or are we saying that in public, and in all reality, we like pastor number one years ago? And I met with Pastor Young. He's an amazing man of God. What a great work he did by planting this church. And the history of our church, of how many people are impacted in our community. What an amazing thing. But are we about Jesus or Pastor Clan? He comes the next hero. As we move forward, this church will be about Jesus. It will no longer be about personalities. We will have Jesus at the center of it. If we hear Pastor Clint more than Jesus here, that's a problem for me. We will celebrate the one that gave it all for us. Unity begins with Jesus at the center of our community. I don't know if we'll ever get to unity, Pastor. When Jesus is involved... It's going to be okay. Because all of our disagreements, which we do have, the cross is the solution. It will be because Jesus did it for us, not because someone else died for you, because no one else died for you. Salvation is from Jesus, not a man or a woman. Number two, love one another sacrificially. 
First John 3, 16 to 18, not John 3, 16 to 18. First John 3, 16 to 18 says this. This is how we know what love is. Not because Beyonce said so. And her relationship with Jay-Z. Not because of the way the world defines love to be on every billboard poster out there. Not because you have to be like the world, but this is how we, as followers of Jesus, know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for you and I, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possession and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them. I love that that was mentioned. Yes. See, it's not about what you can do for people. It's if your heart is moved by the love of God to sacrifice something. Maybe it's a 30-second prayer every time we go by East Cleveland that we pray over that area and say, God, you have a purpose. No matter what they say, you have a purpose. Did that cost us anything? When you see a brother or sister in need, are we trying to avoid people in our church that you know they want you to buy them lunch? And you see them coming from the fireplace and you start moving towards the exit door. And the person saying, hey, hey, what are you doing for lunch? And you're like, no, I, I'm, uh, uh, see ya. Is that our behavior as brothers and sisters in Christ? Or is our heart moved to say, no matter who it is, you know what? I was going to go to a nice restaurant. We'll go to a cheaper restaurant so that person can eat. I was going to spend $16 on lunch. I'm going to spend $8 on lunch. So I can feed that person. This is what it's going to take. To care for one another intentionally, practically. Dear children, verse 18, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. We need to hear that today. Because actions do speak louder than words. People are watching you, not just in this world, but in this church. Leaders, listen to me. God gave you influence in this room. Worship team, even if you think you're just attending, people are watching you. You think they're just watching me? They're watching you. For those of you that are parents here, your kids are watching you. You want to know why they're not just going to listen to a church? Because they believe YouTube more than they believe in the church today. If you want your house to come back to Jesus, it starts with you and I. It starts with loving sacrificially to the point that it hurts. See, love can be an ambiguous term, right? We love our wives, we love our children, we love our dogs, <laughs> we love Mitchell's ice cream. I just discovered, I, I, I mean, I went there last night. 
Oh my goodness. I don't know if it was the line. I got in line. I FaceTime Audrey and Aria in the line. I'm like going through the line waiting for ice cream. I mean, it was out the door. I was like ready for it. I sample tasted the caramel brownie. And absolute, I mean, I, I tasted it one time and I was like, oh, that, that's my jam. <laughs> I said, I love it. See, I think we get confused as believers that the love the gospel is sharing is like the love for ice cream or our wife or our car, that we can be selective like going through an ice cream line and pick and choose what we do. But we can't pick and choose who and when and where we love as followers of Jesus. You don't get to decide what your favorite love ice cream parlor is in the gospel. It is a command to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is no excuse for the people that I don't like hanging out with. I have to love. But you know what my prayer is? God, you give me the grace. In situations where I feel it hard to be a part of, you give me the grace. And guess what he does? Boom! Here's some grace for you. And then you start talking to the person. And then you start listening in. And you're like, wow, this is just a person behind all this mess. This is just a person. This, this person gossips a lot, but you know what? They're really hurting. This, this, this person really is not doing well in life, and they're falling apart emotionally and mentally, but they're really hurting. So God, give me eyes to see what you see and ears to hear what you hear. And all of a sudden, you don't have a preference. You start looking at people without the color of their skin, not worried about how they're going to raise their kids or what degree they have or if they have so, so much money in their bank account or not. You just love people. See, love, which is not sacrificial, is really not love at all. It's easy to love things that you love. But when you have to sacrifice something, that's biblical love. See, that's why Jesus did what he did. See, he did what he did, John chapter 13, where he made us sons and daughters of the kingdom. He sacrificed his life for us says that we are no longer slaves because the master cannot confide in slaves. But we are now heirs. He sacrificed his life. What friend in our life has done that for us? We have a hard enough time in our marriages sometimes. Let's be honest. Whether you've been married for two years or 15, 20, 45, 50 plus, 
It is all about serving and sacrificing the other person's needs. This is why some marriages, I'm going to be honest. Because we're like, no, I need me. I need me to be served first and then. See, gospel living says we serve first. And then, if you're looking for a relationship that's ever going to be without serving and sacrifice, I've got news for you. Whether you're single or you're married or you're not even looking, you're like, I've given up hope, Pastor Glenn. People are crazy out there. I've tried every dating online app there's out there, and I'm done. I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul. God has called me to a life of being single, right? Wherever you're at, you cannot run away from relationships. We serve, we serve, we serve, we serve sacrificially. We give, we give, we give, we give. This is how the world became upside down. This is how the gospel continues to grow no matter who says what or what statistician says what. Here in America, in the world, in China, in Africa, in India, it will continue to grow. You want to know why? Because the gospel is about loving no matter what the cost. And when a follower of Jesus gets a hold of that, there's no stopping them. You can throw them in jail. You can take the mic away. You can shut down the church. You can have a small church, big church, and everything in between. You cannot stop a follower of Jesus who's willing to sacrificially love. You can't do it. Here's the third thing. Consistency in connection. Consistency in connection, okay? I didn't just say connection. I said consistency in connection. So Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, this is a notorious verse that is used by pastors to guilt all of you guys to make sure you come to church every week. Some of you guys are already reading it on the screen. This is not why the scripture was written. to make sure that you come to church once a week. This was written to have consistent biblical connection within your community. Are you just having community once or twice a week? Hebrews is telling us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. So God is faithful. The hope we're professing, God is faithful to it. And let us consider how we may encourage one another towards what? Love. You got someone that's gossiping in our church? You got someone that's going against leadership in our church? We don't need to do some kind of weird manipulation. You got to tell them, you're better than this. If you got things happening in your workplace, you don't even have to say the name Jesus. You just need to speak life into them and say, I think you got more love in you. I think you can do better. I've never seen you this upset. Are you okay? What do you think is going to happen? In public schools, when I used to minister in public schools, 
You're not allowed to say the name Jesus. You're not. It's a rule. So we used to go in and we used to just love hard. I mean, just hanging out with kids, throwing the basketball around, telling them that they can make it, that they can go to college, that they can do whatever is possible out there. We didn't say anything gospel. We weren't allowed because we'd be blacklisted. And guess what happened on the Friday night? They all came to church. We didn't even say anything. They came looking for who we were. Like, who are these people? What is wrong with them? Why are they telling me this stuff? So every city we visited, we would have a Friday night event and go and minister in the schools about positive choices. And they all showed up on Friday night. And many of them gave their hearts to Jesus. So we've overcomplicated this thing. Not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now, you guys know my heart. We're not about attendance here. We are not. We're never going to be. If the church grows, that's awesome. But we want healthy growth. But how many times, and this is, I have to put myself in here too, when Wednesday night rolls around, and you guys have been around here for a while, you're like, Wednesday night church? I mean, who's teaching the Bible study anyways? We have like 20 people there in that big auditorium. I don't have time for God. Some of those folks are crazy anyways. They need the church. I don't really need the church. You know, I'll just take them on Sundays. How many times, even with the little, our church is open, do we have a preference as believers, as tithing members of this church? Literally, your giving is opening up the building on Wednesday night and every other day, and you're like, oh, you know, oh. They need to do a better job. You know, service is just not, it's just not what I think it should be. I just, you know, the preaching, uh, Wednesday nights, it's not the same as Sunday. And we have organized religion on Sunday morning. We've assigned a day for, for Jesus. Sunday morning, you wake up and you're saying, this is my Sabbath day. This is the day I've assigned to Jesus, the Lord of my life, the creator of my life who controls everything in my life. I'm going to give him four hours if you serve, three hours if you like coming and getting coffee before the service, two hours if you're a nominal Christian, and one if you're an attendee, and you like receiving and you don't pay the bill. Can you imagine if we did that at a restaurant? None of us would. But we have this attitude about connection. And I don't want guilt anybody to come on Wednesdays. Please, like if we have record attendance on Wednesday night, I hope it's not because I said so. I hope it's because you have connection and consistency in that connection throughout your whole week. That Wednesday nights, when you can, you make it a priority to come and be with fellow believers. 
You know, every time the church is open, there used to be a generation where you, people just came. People just came. People just came. And your parents drug you along. Nowadays, the kids have a choice. Who knew that this is going to be a possibility? Hey, kids, do you guys want to go to church? For real? All two and a half feet of them? Do they want to go to school? No, but you make them why? And yet we don't make it a priority for Jesus. The best gift for your kids, you don't make it a priority. Sports, dance recitals. I mean, we're already engaging. I love the art scene in Cleveland. Aria already went and checked out. She did a preview of a dance class. I love it. I love activities. But you know what? The day that Aria falls in love with dance more than Jesus, I got a problem. It is my fault as a parent. Because somewhere along the way, it's not the preacher's fault or the church's fault. I showed her that the value for dance is more than the value of eternal life. So please relax. Everyone take it easy. Take a deep breath. No one's counting your attendance, okay? But I'm pleading with you. Would you ask yourself that question? What is the consistency of my connection with fellow believers? See, the book of Acts, they met every day, encouraged each other every day. They knew this one concept, and it's simple. It's people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care. They, you know, if you, if you guys remember a message of mine, that's great. Praise God, I'll take it. God is good. But people really remember personal connection. Could we do that today? Here's the fourth one. Worship together. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. For the business people here, it's called an ROI, return on investment. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. How can it be that people in our church that have been here for more than 60 days does not have someone connecting with them. It should never be of us as a church. It should never be said of us. If you see someone standing by themselves, sitting by themselves, we should be the first ones to approach them and say, can I sit with you? Are you new here? What's your story? Where do you work? What do you do for a living? Don't ask them if they're pregnant or not. Don't ask them if they're working or not. Just be normal. Just get around them. Don't go and grab them and hug them and be like, and the person's like, oh my gosh, you invaded my personal space. 
Be natural and show the love of God in church. See, there's strength in numbers. How many guys uh, have heard of sequoia trees? Real quick. Sequoia trees, they can grow as wide as 30 feet and 250 feet tall. These things are massive. And usually, if it's just like the trees around this property, when wind comes, those trees would just fall down. But they don't fall down. You want to know why? Because underneath in the root system, sequoia trees grows in groves. So they grow in community. And guess what happens to their roots? It's all entangled with each other. When one of them's sick, it's actually not a good thing because their roots are going into the other ones that are healthy. So if one of the people in our church hurting, we should all be hurting. If one of the people are not doing well, we should all be worried. This is what the gospel tells us to do. This is why we worship together. Not because of the great music or the preaching or the fact that it's super hot in here right now. That's not why we do what we do. We do what we do because we come together, and when we come together, this is what's happening. Worship together. Number five, authenticity in relationships. Kunle, if you want to come up. See, I, I think I have, as I was praying over this message, and I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, who, who is this message for? I do this every week. Who is this message for? And the Lord told me plainly that there are people hearing the sound of my voice today that your problem is not what you think it is. It's the fact that you think you need to cover up your weaknesses. If people found out who you really were, would they accept you? There are people here who are trying to be like someone else across the room. And the Lord's asking you, you can be yourself. There's a unique thumbprint on your life. There's unique gifts on your life. You don't have to look strong in the presence of God. The Word of God says, in my weakness, not in my strength, in my weakness, He is made strong. Authenticity in who we are requires transparency. It actually means that you don't share your problems with the whole world. That's not what it means. It means that you have an intentional group of people that you have learned to be vulnerable and transparent with. Transparency. That's what it's going to take. So what does that mean? today. Our ushers are coming, and they're going to hand out some sheets. In the New Testament church, there's 59 one another's in the New Testament church mentioned. In the Gospels, love one another, love one another, love one another. In the book of Romans, outdo one another in showing honor. Live in harmony with one another. In the book of Corinthians, 
comfort and agree with one another. In the book of John, serve one another. And in Galatians, serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Ephesians, forgive one another. Submit to one another. Wow. It said submit to one another. Be honest with one another. Encourage one another. Confess to one another. Pray for one another. And about 50 more one another's in your hands right now. Could it be that the miracle for the church today, for us today, is found in the one another? How many of us in this room, actually, you can look across and you know the story of more than your spouse or maybe two other people? How many of you have just opened your home and said, hey, I want you to come over. I'm not going to have a meal. See, sometimes we're just like, oh, our house is going to be clean. you got this Mary Martha thing going on. It's like, you, you can't just have water and talk to somebody. You don't have to go to Starbucks or Mitchell's or anywhere fancy. You can just connect with people. What if we had people, families that actually did grocery shopping together? Is it that hard? Doing something that you're already doing. You know, I I said this to the Orange Campus. I eat three days, three times a day. Three times a day I have breakfast, lunch. Is it that hard for me to invite somebody else to those times? At least for one meal? Pastor, you don't understand. I'm eating the chicken sandwich that I bought in the drive-thru. Literally, you hand it to me, I take a bite and pay them. Do we, do we not have margin in our lives to, to do biblical community? I think the miracles in our church are dependent on this statement. As simple as this sounds, we are not going to change the world outside until we learn to love each other here. And I'm just being honest. No matter how much we write checks for, it will never take away the fact that biblical community at New Song Church is going to be one of the foundations of how we move forward. So we have small groups coming up in September, October. And we got training for it August 19th. We already have group leaders for it. And we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that those small groups are awesome. But we're not going to go to those small groups because it's another program of this church. Small groups is going to be another tool. That's it. But the question is, will we allow biblical community to be part of our lives as followers of Jesus? Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We love you. We honor you. I know your presence is here, and I thank you for speaking to us. 
Thank you, God, for community. Thank you that we have people that we can rely on. We can celebrate in the good times and we can go to them when we're hurting. Lord, for the people that don't have this community in our church, brothers and sisters who are well-meaning, Holy Spirit, would you begin to do a work right where they're at? That we would begin to reach out and reach forth and be transparent to the people that you show us. That we begin to form relationships in our church that are lifelong relationships. That we look back at this church and not see the programs, but we see how you use biblical community in our lives. For the students that are here, I pray for the years that they're here. Maybe they're not from the city, God. I pray right now that they would not wait to graduate, to open up their lives to this church community. I pray that they begin to realize there's a plan and purpose, and we're all part of that plan and purpose, God. And I pray for those that are far away from you, Jesus. Maybe maybe even far and used to know you at one point, but they just made decisions to walk away from the faith. Lord, I pray through your Holy Spirit, would you minister to them right where they're at? If that's you today, and you sense that the Lord's speaking to you, you don't know what church means, and but you sense that there's this decision, this nudge of the Holy Spirit, would you allow Jesus to come into your heart? And what, what is your heart? It's the place where decisions are made. So friend, would you allow him to come and be the Lord of your decisions right now? God, we thank you for the work of salvation. We don't take it for granted, Lord, as followers of who you are. God, I pray right now for those in here that are putting up a front of strength. And they may have had situations in the past that have broken their heart. Would you mend their hearts? they would believe again in community. Thank you for your work, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Would you just respond to God in your own way? In the stillness of this moment, would you just respond to the Holy Spirit in your own way? He's just listening to you. Would you open up your heart?